You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. Have you ever received news that just stopped you in your tracks? That just... (laughs) (laughs) That'll do it. That will... uh... That'll do it. <laughs> sometimes there's that, that could have all kinds of emotions, but have, sometimes there's this news we get that is overwhelming because it leaves us with this sense of hopelessness, um, or if at the very least powerlessness, where it's just we're, we're almost paralyzed in knowing what to do next. Life does that sometimes, doesn't it? It's throw things at you that you don't expect that cause you to uh, just not know what to do. There's a crisis that doesn't have an apparent solution. It's an opportunity maybe that's presented to you that just seems way bigger than your capacity to deal with it. Or maybe it's just a situation, a circumstance that's beyond your ability to even know how to respond in an appropriate way. Well, that's the context for um, our, our passage this morning. You've got an, a, a, in just a minute, Peyton's going to come up. So uh, she's going to read our passage from us. It's from the Old Testament book of Second Chronicles. And so she's going to read that for you. But before she does, let me give you a little context as to what's happened here um, leading up to this, this passage. You've all heard of King David, the most prominent king of all, in all of Israel's history. Um, they, the, the kingdom of Israel was never more powerful, more wealthy. The, the reach of the kingdom was never more expansive than when David was king. When David died, as what happens in, in high, or, um, um, royal family, you know, and, and the transition between kings, it usually went to the oldest son or went to part of the, the family line. So David's son Solomon became king. When Solomon died, his son Rehoboam became king. And so we have those... You know, so, so Rehoboam is now king of all Israel. Ironically... Israel was much like the United States in that, in our name, we have one country, the United States, but we are made up of 50 states, aren't we? And there's, each state has its own uniqueness and characteristics. Israel was like that. It was the country, the people of Israel, but it was made up of 12 tribes is how we knew them, 12 different tribes. And so David and his sons, David and Solomon and then Rehoboam, were from the one tribe of Judah. And uh, so that was their tribe. Rehoboam, them, who is David's grandson, ends up being a big jerk. Sorry to use that word here, but he was. Um, he was just not a nice person. Um, and he created some problems that made things worse. And what happened then is the, the, the tribe of Benjamin went with Judah. So he had those two tribes. The other ten tribes split they literally they formed a split, and for the next few generations of kings and leaders, you would have sometimes conflict between these two groups. Israel and Judah themselves would fight and kill each other, and in addition to the outside cultures and the groups that were attacking them too. So you had this going on, and that split was never mended. To this day, you have that, that split between what was known as Israel and then Judah, and that was going on for a while. And then Jehoshaphat becomes king of Judah. So this is David and Solomon, Rehoboam, and then a few other kings, and then Jehoshaphat follows along that line. 
He was a godly king. He followed after God, and he grew strong in his influence and power. And then one day, Jehoshaphat gets some news. Somebody comes to him and says, Jehoshaphat, I just want to let you know that the three neighboring countries around us have all joined forces to come and attack us and wage war against us. In fact, they're on their way now. They're on their way now. And that is the context in which we pick up our story. So if I could have Peyton come up, she wants to, she's going to read. And we're going to read from Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 3 through 12. Is that a good height? Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed as fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hands, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it, have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whatever the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to in to you in your distress and you will hear hear us and save us but now here are men from Ammon, Moab and Montseer whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt so they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an interference. Our God, you will not judge them, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for the word and the reading of your word. Lord, life comes from your scripture. And uh, just thank you for, uh, Lord, just the opportunity to learn from what we've, we've heard from Peyton uh, here read this morning. So, again, we commit these next few moments to you. And just, again, thank you for, uh, for what you desire to share with us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. Great. You want me to take that? Okay. 
You're all done. (laughs) Jehoshaphat and the people of Israel did some things that I think are telling and I think are helpful for us to look at and to take a little closer look and a little closer inspection. So their actions suggest some things that we might do to effectively navigate those seasons of surprise, those seasons of unknowns in life. Um, So using them as an example, what might we do or what should we do? First thing that they did is they talked to God. Verse 3 says, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. You know, as Christ followers, we'd think this would be kind of automatic, wouldn't we? I mean, we're Christians, we believe in God and faith, and you'd think that would be the first thing we do. That's not always the case. Um, If you're like me, um, whenever something happens, my brain immediately kicks in, and I'm playing out scenarios and possible repercussions, and my brain's going a mile a minute. That's just how I'm wired, okay? I've I've come to the place where I accept that, and I'm okay with that. Um, But I am so grateful that I have a wife who in the midst of my working things out, asks the question patiently, have you prayed about it? And so then that brings things back into focus. And, and th- sometimes that's what happens, isn't it? We're, we're, we start thinking about how can we solve this problem? And our mind starts racing to, well, we can do this, we can do that, we can do this. And we sometimes forget the most important thing we do or can do is just to pause and say, God, I don't have a clue what's going on. I need your help. Uh, that doesn't, that, that's not saying that we don't need to then think about it and we don't need to take action, but our first response should be one to acknowledge the fact that we need help. Um, and that's, why, uh, that's what Jehoshaphat and the people of Israel do. Oftentimes when situations that arrive in our lives, we talk to everyone but God. And that's really the first thing we should do. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is a common verse for many. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths or make your path straight. Depends upon your translation. So when needing direction, we should talk to God. We should also focus on God through fasting Verse 3 also goes on to say that after he called, he determined to acquire the Lord, says that, and he, Jehoshaphat, proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. So as I was working through this passage and, you know, just kind of working through my outline, what I wanted to say, part of me wanted to figure out how do I can avoid this part of the thing? Because, I mean, no one likes to fast. That's not a popular topic. And, but, however, it is in the text. So I can't really ignore it, just if I'm going to do due diligence to what the passage is saying. And here's the thing, whether we like it or not, whether we're good at it or not, whether we do it enough or not, what we find consistently throughout Scripture is that when people humble themselves through the discipline of fasting and set their heart to seek after him, God speaks. He acts, and he works on behalf of those who, in fact, seek him. So fasting does do something. Something happens when we fast. Literally, I could take a whole sermon and talk about fasting. 
about the examples we see in Scripture when they do it, what happens, why, what is the spiritual significance of fasting. Um, I'm not going to do that, though. But let me just say this. Fasting is not a formula for getting what we want. It's not a hunger strike. You know, like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat God until you give me what I want or need. That's not, it's not a way to manipulate God. Fasting is, however, from a practical standpoint, it's going without food um, or something else. We've also uh, believed that fasting is sacrificing something. So I know for some, the idea of I'm going to go without chocolate for a month is a huge sacrifice, um, whatever it is. But you're giving up something voluntarily for a period of time, whether it's a day, um, a week, um, or a month, whatever that time frame might be. It's an act of humbling yourself before God. It's coming and saying, God, I'm, I'm, I recognize I need help, and I need your intervention. I need, I need you at this point in time. And this act of fasting represents that. It's an act of acknowledging your need for God. Fasting repositions you with God. It repositions you to encounter God in a way you hadn't prior to that time experienced him. And that's what fasting does. So when we're needing direction and we're needing some help from God, we should talk to God. We should focus on God through fasting. And we should also pray God's promises. In verse 7, uh, he goes on to talk about, do we have 7 through 9? Okay, good. Oh God, you, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived, lived, they, your inhabitants, the Israelites have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name. So they've built the temple saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in distress and you will hear us and save us. What is Jehoshaphat doing? He's retelling the history of Israel. Basically, all right? So he's retelling the history. Why? Did God forget? You know, it's like, oh, I need to, you know, God, let me remind you here because I know you're forgetful. Probably not. That's, <laughs> we probably feel safe saying that's not what he's doing. Really, in recounting the history, he's rebuilding his own faith and the faith of the people. When they recount as to what we've done, the steps we've gone to get here, and the way that God has provided for them and the promises God has given them. If you do this, I will do this. And so he's in retelling this, he's building up his own faith. He's, he's, he's realigning himself to what God has already said and done. So I, I remember when our kids were small and uh, one of them would be sick and we'd, we'd pray for them and our prayer would go something along these lines. Um, God, this is your child. We gave them to you when as a baby. We dedicated them to you. We gave them back to you when they were infants and babies. Lord, your child needs your touch now. That again reminds us that we as parents have responsibility to do what's best for our kids, but it also reminded us that this child belonged to God. God didn't need us to remind him of that, but it did something to us in our spirits and gave us faith that, that God had that child in his hands. Or sometimes we've had, if you're in need of provision, 
you might want to reference Malachi chapter 3 and pray something like this. Lord, your word says that we are to test you with our gifts. And you promised to throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to store it. By praying scripture, by repeating what God has given us in scripture, you're realigning your own understanding of what God is doing and your own faith, and it gives you the strength and the faith to continue on. When you find yourself in an overwhelming situation or situation of opportunity, pray God's word. Declare what God has already revealed in his, in his word and, me, and also into your heart as well. So when needing direction, we should talk to God. We should focus on God through fasting. Pray God's word, his promises. We should also not be afraid. Two different passages here in this same section, verse 15 and verse 20. Verse 15 He said, listen, this is a prophet now. One of the Levite priests is now talking. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. How many of you say, man, that is just a powerful statement in all of life, recognizing that this is not just about me that God is integrally involved in this. The next verse, verse 20. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat said to them, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. Don't be afraid. Note the prophets here, when Joseph had says that, he's not talking about the prophets like Elijah and those in history. He's talking about the Levites. Um, the, the plan actually is to put the, the musicians in front of the army as they're going into battle. And so basically what he's saying here is, hey, trust the plan. It's a good plan. It's, it's going to work. There's a... You know, with, with our kids, uh, Betsy always... We made a big deal of their first birthday. You know, and just we had a party and invited all of our adult friends over. And that's usually when they got their first birthday cake. You know, they make a mess. It's all fun. And, and so, but Betsy always put together this album of their first year. And so Sarah, our second, uh, it was her first birthday coming up. And so she's putting together this album. Well, Sarah was a preemie. She was born 10 weeks early, 30 weeks, three and a half pounds. She was in the hospital for six and a half weeks. Incredibly traumatic. The whole ordeal was very traumatic. Everything ended up fine, but going through this, as she's putting together this album, she's reliving this whole experience, just reliving all of it. Uh, it's either the day before Sarah's birthday or the day of her birthday, we find out Peter's coming. Where's the surprise? <laughs> it threw us for a loop that took us days to recover from, not because... Because of all, because we just relive the trauma of what had just happened, and also because my job is ending, I know I'm facing unemployment, and there's all these questions, and it literally it took us a couple days for us to get our bearing. What really, for me, what really helped, what really set me back on a firm footing, was a conversation with my mom on the telephone, and uh, my mom's not known for her spiritual advice. Not that she's not capable of that. That's just not her thing usually, but she made this comment. She said, this must be one special baby to bring him into your life at this point in time. Huh. And in that moment, nothing changed. 
But everything changed. Everything, that little shift in perspective, the fact that God's not caught by surprise. We might have been. God's not. This is okay. God's not off, you know, like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? How is this going to... God knew we're okay. This was not something we had to be in control of. Nothing had changed, but in that moment, everything changed from then on out. Perspective is everything, isn't it? I've got a little test for you. I think the the younger people will enjoy this as well. So on the screen are a bunch of numbers, 1 through 54. I want you now to find them all in sequence. Find number 1, then find number 2, find number 3, all the way up to 54. I'll give you a second or a few seconds. <laughs> okay, let me, let, me, let me push the pause button here then. All right, let me, let me stop, stop looking. You're still looking. Stop looking. <laughs> How many of you got to 10? How many of you got to 20? A couple of you. How many of you got to 30? Okay, so no one got to 30. Okay. Let me show you something. Then we have the next. Okay. The top left corner is one, top middle corner is two, top right corner is three, middle left four, five. Now find the rest of the numbers. Now that you know the pattern. It goes a little quicker, doesn't it? So what changed? The numbers didn't move. The numbers are still where they were in the original picture. What changed? Your focus. You understood that there's a different way to look at this than you had been looking at it. And that's what makes all the difference in the world, isn't it? Sometimes the circumstances in life don't have to change for us to have a completely different outlook on life in general. When we focus on the problem, fear grows. When we focus on God, faith grows. And when we focus on God, sometimes all that happens is this little shift, huh, this must be a special baby to come at this point in time in our life. Huh, maybe God has a plan, the fact that this is invading army coming out to attack us. Huh, maybe God wants to do something here. And all that does is just reshift us in a way that allows us to function, and not just function, but to actually accomplish and achieve what God wanted us to accomplish and achieve. So, lastly, when we're needing direction, we should move in worship. Verses 21 and 22. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing the Lord to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. So as if you were to read the story, what happens is as the Israel army with the, with the musicians in front are marching to battle, 
God causes a confusion among the three invading armies, and they literally attack each other. And so they're fighting against each other, and the, the verse says, no one escaped. So they killed each other, and Israel didn't even have to raise a weapon in that whole battle. So as the tribes, as the Israelites went out worshiping, declaring the greatness of God, God fought for them. We had uh, just moved to Pasadena, California. I was going to be attending grad school there, and I had, we didn't have a place. We had temporary housing for a few days. Boy, this is kind of a similar motif for us, isn't it, of a housing <laughs> transition. So um, we had a few days. I rented the truck for a few days after we were going to arrive. They're giving us time to find an apartment and that kind of stuff. So the truck was sitting in a parking lot. It was a Friday. The truck had to be back at, I think it was U-Haul. had to be back at U-Haul by the end of the day Friday. It's now, you know, I woke up Friday morning, and, you know, we didn't know what we are going to do. And it was, it was one of those times. And in my quiet time that morning, I read where Abraham, when he got to his destination, he built an altar to the Lord, an altar of thanksgiving. Um, I, you know, it was a temporary apartment. I couldn't build an altar in there, but I decided to build an altar of worship an altar of praise to the Lord that did part of my quiet time. So that's what I did. By the end of the day, we were moving into an apartment, and we both had jobs. Now listen, the story of Jehoshaphat is significant because it's illogical. It's not normal. This is not normal that we plan this type of thing. You don't win battles by sending out the choir. (laughs) You don't find an apartment job by starting your day with some singing. And yet that's exactly what happened. Worship is a critical key to engaging the power of God. It is. There's something happens when we worship and when we turn our focus, again, from our problems and focus on God. Not only does it do something within us, it, I just believe it releases something that allows God to do what he wants to do. It frees him to do things that he otherwise isn't able to do. Worship magnifies God in the midst of uncertainty. Worship builds our faith. Worship opens the way for God to do what he desires to do. At the end of this chapter, we read this. It's not in your notes. It's in uh, uh, verse 30. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. For me, that's the most profound verse in the whole story. Is that all this, it starts with this huge news of pending disaster. And it ends with, he had peace on every side. There was this period of rest. And I believe that's what God wants for all of us. He'll use, I don't, I don't think God creates those types of circumstances and challenges and disasters, but I am convinced at my very core that God will use every circumstance in your life to accomplish his purposes in you. And I believe that ultimately what God wants for all of us is that we're at peace and at rest and that we have peace on every side of us. I'm convinced that some of you are in need of God's peace this morning. Peace in the midst of a very difficult circumstance or situation. And there may be some of you wrestling with this need for peace with God himself. You spent your life trying to live things your own way. 
to make your own decisions, to try and live life on your terms. And you need to surrender your life to him. And you need to trust him with your life in every area of your life. My encouragement to you is to do that today. Do that today. Don't wait any longer. Quit trying to figure things out and live life your way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for your word. Thank you for what we see in Jehoshaphat and what we see in his leadership of leading the people in the midst of this turbulent news, this pending calamity. Lord, find the strength to pause and to put you at the forefront of their consideration to ask you first what they need to do and to submit themselves to your purposes. Father, I pray for any here this morning who are struggling in that area, that they would indeed be able to do that, to release the outcome of whatever their circumstance is to you, whether it's physical healing, financial provision, uh, Lord, a relationship that needs to be resolved or fixed, Whatever it is, Father, I pray that, that, Lord, that they would be able to release that to you and to trust you to work things out in a way that you might seem to desire, which might be contrary to how we would do it. But, Father, may we trust you in that area. And, Father, for anyone who might be here who has been just trying to live life on their own terms, they have not yet surrendered themselves to you. Lord, may they find the strength and courage to do that even now to just say simply, I surrender my life to you, Lord Jesus. Be Lord of my life. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.